Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And welcome back to the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we said on the preview pod that Sunday was going to be a make-or-break game for the Jets, and either this season was going to turn around, the Jets would get back to 500, set themselves up with a nice little stretch here to pick up some wins and maybe keep themselves alive for, for Aaron Rodgers, or the wheels were going to come off, the Jets were going to give up like seven or eight sacks, have a bunch of turnovers, and just completely implode. And it was... A lot more of the latter, Jets benching Zach Wilson, getting blown out. Defense had their worst game of the season and just looked uninspired. I mean, really, the opening kickoff, I don't think I've ever gone from, all right, let's see what the Jets got to, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. Any faster than Sunday with that opening kickoff, big hit fumble from Gibson. And the Jets enter this Black Friday game with their season on life support, four and six, with a new quarterback, Tim Boyle, our guy, friend of the pod. So, you know, it's hard not to get – uh, apathetic about this team. You and I have been talking for the last hour, not really sure what this podcast will be about, um, but I don't know how you're feeling. I mean, the jet season is still alive. There's all the reports about Rogers coming back by uh, Christmas, but you watch that offensive line, you watch the way this team's played. And it's like, is it even worth it to stick a 40 year old quarterback three months off of an Achilles surgery back into the lineup? Is this a, a Super Bowl ready roster? Um, so I don't know where you want to go. We'll see how long this podcast is, but I'll just start with just your thoughts, your initial reaction to Sunday and and the outlook for the rest of the season. Well, I don't know where I want to go either because you and I have been sitting here trying to figure out what to say that isn't blatantly obvious to every single Jets fan right now. Like, oh, this is terrible. This sucks and all that because it does. That's all you can say. I mean, what else is there to talk about? Like, it's it's just hard to – because I think my favorite thing about doing this podcast, about doing what we do at Jets X Factor, is analyzing football and you know going deep into matchups, looking at the opponent, the strengths and weaknesses of the Jets, and the way all their players are developing. But then you get this product every single week, and it just becomes difficult to invest in that every single week because it's just so redundant. You're watching the same exact thing every week, the same problems. There is no solution that you can point to anymore. They even tried some of the things that we've been talking about. I mean, they finally got CJ Uzama up out of there. <laughs> and he so, almost committed a backbreaking yeah. penalty on special teams. He tried to on special teams. So, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Like, you know, to even, I don't know. I truly don't know what to say. All right, I got but this. I'm glad we could at least record ourselves saying that. because That is my reaction. I don't have anything interesting to say. The only reason if you're a Jets fan that you care about the season at all, unless you've already just turned the page to the draft and you're just focused on next year or whatever, 
the only small glimmer of hope, which has seemed like a pipe dream the entire year, but is seemingly getting more and more realistic, is the possibility of Rodgers coming back for those final three games, which, as I said, I don't know if you want to stick him behind this offensive line. Maybe by the time the commander's game rolls around, Becton's healthy, Brown's back, McGovern and Schweitzer are back. Maybe this looks like a different offensive line, but clearly, what's this? Is this the eighth Jets offensive line combo we're going to have this Sunday? The ninth? Something like that? They're on the thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, you got Chris Glazer out there, Max Mitchell getting bullied every rep, rookie Carter Warren out there coming in for Becton, Lakin stinking up the joint as usual as their big offensive free agent signing. This offensive line is a disaster. This offense as a whole is a disaster. The quarterback has, has been a bust and has been underwhelming, even though I maintain that he's not the only issue on this Jets offense, which shouldn't be controversial, but I get why they have to make the change to try to try to get some sort of spark. And you look at it like, I said this before the game with over the next five, there's five, there's five games up until that commander's game at this point out four. I said, you, if you win three of those, you, de- I think you do it. You'd be seven and seven. You have games against the, the commanders, Browns and Patriots. You win all three of those. You're 10 and seven. That's a, that should be a playoff spot. If you win two, yeah, you have a chance to get to nine wins. Maybe you get to the playoffs, but you watch that offensive line. It's like, it isn't smart. And I know, I think Rogers really wants to do it. I think he wants that on his, you know, for his legacy or whatever to be, the first guy to come back from an Achilles in the same season at, at almost damn near 40 years old. It makes him look smart. It makes him seem special, but it's like, is it worth it? I think 2024 is the year you're going all in for. And I don't know, unless they win the three of the next four, which would mean splitting with the dolphins and then taking care of business at home against the Falcons and Texans, which isn't out of this world, especially with this defense. But unless Tim Boyle gives them any sort of spark, which I think is why they did this, which is to try to raise the floor of this Jets offense to just try to get, do something and not lose the locker room to win enough games to maybe keep it alive. I think that's the only thing as a Jets fan you can really be looking at for the season, but I don't even think it's, it's wise. So how, how do you kind of weigh the potential risk and reward of, of this pipe dream of, of Rogers coming back, which is seemingly getting more and more realistic. And it's really the only thing you can cling on to for, for the Jets playoff hopes this year. I agree with you. I think at this point it's not worth it for anybody. Um, before this game, it was definitely something that was exciting to hear about and gave you something to play for because, you know, despite everything, it's fun to think about the idea of, okay, if you could scratch and claw your way to stay in, then Rodgers is going to come back and lead this miraculous run. But at this point, even if they can get to the stage where, you know, he's ready to come back and you're still mathematically alive. It, it just doesn't feel like it's worth it because we we all watched the game yesterday. It's not only a bad team, but it's a dangerous team for a quarterback to play in because, you know, it, it looks like a preseason roster. That I was watching by the time it you got the to the end of that game, <laughs> I looked at that team. And I was like, this is a regular season game. This looks like the team I watched in Carolina in August. Plus it, Garrett. the exact lineup plus Dalvin Cook, who's worse than players who play in the preseason. So, I mean, it, it's it's dangerous. You can't – for any quarterback to be out there, let alone one who's 40 years old, rushing back from an Achilles faster than anyone's ever done it. Even if you do want to run an offense, it's like, okay, let's just throw screen passes. Let's put him in shotgun. Everything's going to be quick. We're not going to risk anything. We're just going to let him, you know, use his mind. He's not going to do long dropbacks. We're going to try to protect him as best as possible. Then you have the receiver issue where these guys can't get open outside of Garrett Wilson. So that's going to force him to hold on to the ball, regardless of whatever plays you're calling. So there's no way to work around the fact that he's going to take hits and it's 
going to be a lot of hits and some hard hits as well. So especially in December when it's cold and, you know, everything hurts a little bit more when you're playing in that weather. So it's and it is and not worth it. Let's say he's able to come back for that commander's game. You'd be playing Miles Garrett and the Browns on a short week on Thursday night football, assuming it doesn't get yeah. flexed out, which is possible. It could get commanders flexed, have but... some playmakers in their D line too. So yeah, it, w- it wouldn't get flexed if, if Rogers is coming back. So yeah, you'd be playing. Yeah, that's right. The commanders have a great pass rush. Then you're playing the Miles Garrett and the Browns defense, which has been great this season on a short week. And then you get Bill Belichick and the Patriots on the road, which is it's, it is a winnable schedule. It's not like that's, the hardest schedule in the world, but it's like with a 40 year old quarterback in this offensive line, I think two things have to happen. I think you have to see what this offensive line looks like over the next couple of weeks. If they get healthier, if they're able to stabilize a little bit, because they looked terrible in Buffalo, that's the, the worst game they've had all season. Um, if the offensive line stable stabilizes a little bit and they win three of the next four, I would do it. If they win two, I, I don't know if I do it again. We'll, we'll get there when they get there, but um, that, that would require them splitting with the dolphins and, and, beating the, the Texans and Falcons at home, which they can do, but I don't know. Uh, and I get why they made the switch. You know, I've, I've defended Zach in the sense that, like, I don't think he's the only issue on this offense. It's pretty clear he's not the only issue on this offense. But, you know, they don't – Saul doesn't want to lose the locker room. They have to find some way to raise the floor of this offense to at least try to put up games where you can at least get can – we, can we get two touchdowns in a single game? Is that possible? And we said it last week too. It's like if you're not going to change anything on offense in terms of your philosophy, then maybe it is. Maybe it does make more sense to go with a lower ceiling, higher floor, veteran quarterback. And I, I think with Tim Boyle, like the thing that he's going to give you is I think he is ahead of Zach mentally. He's been in this offense for longer. If if you're not going to be an uber athletic quarterback with great arm talent, that's the only way you're going to survive in the league. Is if you have if you have a high football IQ, if you process things quickly, if you have good poise, you get the ball to your hands quickly and wasn't like Boyle looks all that much better in the fourth quarter against the Bills, but you at least saw him get the ball out of his hands quickly, and that might be able to offset some of his issues athletically in terms of being behind a bad offensive line and not being able to make some of the same plays that Zach Wilson can make. He also, it's not like he takes care of the ball all that well. You know, he does turn the ball over, but maybe you're able to raise the floor of the offense. Maybe it's it's you're able to spark the the team enough because it's like this defense is. Been, been saddled with Zach Wilson for two seasons now. We saw what Mike White gave him at the end of last year or the middle of last year. Maybe you can get something similar with with, with Tim Boyle. And we had him on the pod last, you know, in, in June, I think it was, and he was great. And the two things that I felt was one great guy. I know that doesn't really matter, but he was he was really cool to talk to, and he was great to us before and after the pod. Um, but the other thing was like that's the type I I left that and I think I even said it too is like that's the type of guy that becomes a coach after after he retires like a Kevin O'Connell who also was a third string Jets quarterback who's now the head coach for the Vikings you could just tell how how bright he was like especially when he broke down everything that a quarterback has to do from from the time they hear the the play call in their huddle through the entire snap um, so I feel good about you know at least. I don't think I don't think he's going to be as bad as some Jets fans are expecting, but clearly the ceiling of this offense is completely capped and it's just been a disastrous season for for maybe the most hyped franchise offseason in franchise history all the excitement building with with rogers and hard knocks and this defense and just just to watch it go up in flames four plays in we said it then it's like you know this is the reason this the jet season is essentially over we said this week one the jet season is essentially over but people will forget about this four or five weeks from now rogers injury won't be the reason the jets are losing to the chiefs or the Jets are losing to the Chargers or the Raiders. People will f- forget about the Rodgers injury 
and find all the things in game. I think that was actually what Bill Parcell said afterwards. And so that's what's happened. This Jets offensive line is terrible. Hackett without Rodgers is abysmal. This Jets offense is somehow worse than the 2020 offense with more talent. If you, if you had told me that before the Jets had – if you had told me before the season that this this offense would be worse than 2020, I, I don't even know what I would say. Just considering how bad – I mean, if you remember how bad and how ugly things were in 2020, the fact that they went 41 straight drives without scoring a touchdown, like, I don't think it's on Zach. I, I still believe that in the right situation a few years from now when he's a year five or year six, year seven quarterback, he looks – maybe he has the Geno Smith arc, but it won't be here in New York. They'll be moving on from him. Maybe he's here next year as, as the third string QB. But in, in hindsight, I guess I guess they should have prioritized QB two more. I mean, I did make a whole list here, Michael. I don't know if you want to go through it, but how we got to this exact moment. Are you interested to, to run through this quickly? Because this could be part of a broader discussion. Because I think I think Sala and JD and, and some Jets fans' minds are, are on the hot seat. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think they'll definitely get the year with Rodgers before any decisions will be made. I think that 2022 class bought JD some time. I think luring in Rogers buys them some time. I think Salah had turning around this defense and this, this jets culture, which this offense may be way worse than 2020, but the culture people can roll their eyes is better, but they'll get their one year with Rogers. If things go up in flames next year, it might be time, but can we just run through some of the stuff that, that got us to this moment? Sure. You ready? All right. The tank for Trevor fails, which is just, so brutal that the fact that they had the number one pick, they miss out on it in a, in a QB draft that seemingly was only one quarterback deep. They had the decision between go, keeping with Darnold and trading down and taking Sewell and building around Darnold or going with the rookie. They decided to go the rookie route and they trade Darnold. Then they have the decision of which rookie quarterback to take between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. I guess you could throw Mac Jones in there as well or Trey Lance. They go with Zach Wilson, which in hindsight – He's been a, he's been a terrible bust, but San Francisco wanted him. He was pretty universally ranked as as QB two among a lot of NFL teams. I know you and I lean towards Fields, but let's not act like I haven't carried Zach Wilson's water the last few years. This guy was clearly uber talented, and a lot of teams would have taken him at at two. It's not like Trey Lance right behind him is some superstar, and you can look back and or even like Darnold with Josh Allen and his class. That whole class as a whole is, is stunk outside of Trevor. The big mistake they made with Zach was giving him the starting job immediately and pairing him with a rookie OC. 2021 is they have the worst defense. Zach's bad, but whatever, rookie quarterback. Then they have the amazing 2022 class, which is going to save JD's job for another year. The defense turns it around, but Zach is historically bad in his second season, which forces them to push all their chips in the middle, go all in on Rodgers, hire Nathaniel Hackett, bring in all of Rodgers' friends as their big offensive changes this, this season, which – They've missed on pretty much all of them. They take an edge in round one, which I still think McDonald's going to be good, but it's hard to look at that draft class and say, hey, man, it would be nice to have a Zay Flowers or a Jordan Addison or a Jackson Smith the Jigba on this offense. Um, Corey Davis retires in training camp. They don't get a better backup. Rodgers blows out his Achilles in the fourth play of the season. The whole offensive line gets injured this season. It's a disaster. And now we're here. So that's, that's been the Jets. I mean, that's every big thing that's gone wrong or defining moment, the last of, of JD and Salah's tenure. When you hear all that, what do you make of it? I mean, how much of the blame does do, do JD and Salah deserve? Cause I think you and I have both been fairly positive in terms of JD and Salah. It's not to say they haven't made their fair share of mistakes, but when you look at where this Jets organization was, when they took over to, where it was in August and you felt like, look at all this growth of this organization to where it is now. How do you feel about the, the segment of Jets fans that are calling for, for their heads? 
Oh, I think at this stage, it's definitely fair to start being very critical of them. And I've, you know, been a pro Sala and pro Douglas guy. Sala was my number one candidate back in 2021. Um, but at this point, it's hard not to look at everything that led to the Jets to this point and trace it right back to the people at the top and wonder if this was not the unique situation where you have Aaron Rodgers likely coming back next year and you know, he invested in these guys. If it weren't that situation, would both these guys probably be getting fired this year? I think there's a very good chance. Um, you know, from a Douglas perspective, there are there are a lot of things you could point to in terms of this offense. Um, the offensive line this offseason, totally neglected for no reason. We knew it was it had a lot of holes last year. And, yes, they had Vera Tucker coming back and Becton coming Becton. back. But, you know, when Becton – went down last season, most of us agreed he's not part of the plans going forward. Like, he's still on the team, and he's a, you know, high upside wild card to have. If he stays healthy and he plays good, that's great. But you don't trust him to start, and that's exactly what they did. And not only did they trust Becton to start, they trusted Dwayne Brown, who's 90 years old, was very bad last year, and I know <laughs> there's this wishful thinking. Oh, he's going to have his shoulder surgery, and he's going to be good this year. Well, how did that turn out? He got injured again because he's 90 years old. And you should have expected that. So let's start both of those guys. That's a great plan. Lakin Tomlinson, who we signed to, I think, his biggest free agent contract for an offensive player, you know, outside of trading for Rodgers. He's awful. That was a swing and a miss. Um, I guess Connor McGovern is decent. And, you know, Vera Tucker is a great pick, but obviously, unfortunately, the injuries that he can't control. But either way, the offensive line had, it, we all said they needed to build a great offensive line this offseason. They didn't do it, and now here we are. And I know players have gotten hurt, but even if it was healthy, Becton and Brown is not a good tackle duo. I'm sorry. It's time to say that Becton hasn't been good this year. Go look at the numbers. He's near the top in everything. Penalties, sacks, pressures. His run blocking has not been as consistent. Becton has not been good, and he should not have been starting this year. Um, Dwayne Brown is terrible. He should not have been a starter. Max Mitchell is terrible. He should not have been counted on as your top backup. Billy Turner is terrible. Like, they didn't even try with the one thing we knew they needed to try on, you know, with a 40 year old quarterback. So a lot of blame on Douglas for that wide receiver, you know, no effort to replace Corey Davis, who they knew was going to retire a little bit ahead of time, at least of when we heard about it. And they had a few weeks to make something happen. They had the trade deadline to make something happen. Let's do absolutely nothing and use Alan Lazard, who they overpaid, who from the beginning we knew was, not a wide receiver, too, or at least, you know, anyone who researched him knew that. But people decided to buy in on him being wide receiver, too. Um, but here we are. He's the worst wide receiver, too, in the league. They have no one else beyond that. They traded Elijah Moore, which, you know, was a good trade. And, like, you know, Tittman looks good. That, I think, is going to end up being a good pick. But, you know, that's another wide receiver you, you traded to make the Hardman. room worse. And you didn't really account for it. You got Hardman. That was a complete bust, another bust on his free agent resume. So Douglas's free agent signings. Yeah, can we just run through? I know not to cut you off, but can, yeah. so 2021. Here is I won't count the 2020 free agents. They weren't very good either, outside of I guess McGovern and Fant was all right. But 2020 was a different year under Gase. Whatever. Let's just do the Salah and JD three off seasons. Here are all the offensive free agent signings in, in 2021. We have Keelan Cole, Tevin Coleman, Corey Davis, Dan Feeney, Josh Johnson, Tyler Croft, and Corey Levin. Those are your offensive free agents in 2021. Then in 2022, you have uh, CJ Uzama. They re-signed Tevin Coleman. They re-signed Braxton Berrios. They brought in Lake and Tomlinson. 
They had Tyler Conklin, which is probably the only good one on the offense side of the ball. Um, I, th- I think I missed. Let me see. They re they re-signed Dan Feeney. Um, sorry, it's just laid out differently here. I think that's it. I think that was their all their offensive free agent signings in 2022. Wow. Um, Bravo. Yeah, they brought in Morgan Moses like at, at the end of 2021. I forgot about that. Uh, and then this offseason, I don't have the list up in front of me, but let's just run through it. Like Alan Lazard. It was all Rogers' buddies. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Billy Turner. He wanted Dalvin Cook. Who else? Schweitzer was Schweitzer and Cologne were like the only offensive line signings. They re-signed Brown, I guess, or I guess he was already under contract. So the offensive, I think what you're going to see this offseason is I think you're going to see some changes in I think JD has to make some changes in his pro personnel department because he's hit on some defensive free agents, really DJ Reed, because Whitehead hasn't been all that good, but he's had a few. I mean, they found Quincy Williams. They Quentin Jefferson's been pretty good this year. I mean, they have some hits on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively, their only hit on free agency is Tyler Conklin. And it's not like Conklin's been lighting it up, but I just think he's, you would take that contract again. Outside of that, they've all been whiffs. So I think this offseason, you're going to see solid or JD shake up his offensive personnel department. And then ideally, you would also see the Jets make changes at offensive coordinator. But because Rodgers is coming back, because Hackett's Rodgers' buddy, we're, they're kind of beholden to Rodgers. They can't even take away play calling duties away from Hackett and give it to Todd Downing. Not that that would be much better because Todd Downing's the passing game coordinator. He's in charge of all the passing concepts and the passing concepts suck. So I don't know if that would even be an upgrade, but it's not like they even have that ability because they're beholden to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has a lot of power right now, so they can't even do that, but maybe they should fire a guy like Downing. I don't know. There should be some changes in the offensive side of the ball. If it's not going to be Hackett, they won't have that accountability because of Rodgers. There has to be something, but in terms of JD and Salah, they win all on and Rodgers. The, the, the arrow on this franchise is pointing up in August, and it all went up in flames. Yes, they've had some bad luck. They've made some bad decisions, but they should still get 2024. And at the end of 2024, if it's a disaster again, the Jets miss the playoffs again, then I think it's time to have those discussions. But this year, there are, there are things you can criticize, probably first and foremost, the backup QB, which you know I've defended. But at the end of the day, it's, it has cost them their season, most likely. Um, you know, I, I, I think they'll, they'll get another season, but the, the seat gets hotter this off season. And I'm really fascinated to see what they do this off season in terms of their aggressive changes at the line and, and receiver. Cause they're going to have to be aggressive. It is, they're going all in. I don't, I don't see Rogers playing in 2025, maybe, but you're going to have a 40 year old quarterback off a of torn Achilles who hasn't played at a top tier level since 2021. He was still good in 2022 and they would take it. But you don't even know what type of quarterback he's going to be. I, I don't. I don't know what else there is to say. Yeah, I, I agree. There's no way anything's going to happen this off season. They still deserve to get a shot at it with Rodgers because as long as Rodgers is coming back, I don't see the benefit in changing the head coach, the GM, doing all that before you make that run next year. Because then, if that doesn't work out, then it feels like you want to clean house again. So they're going to get another year, but they've. I, like I said, I think at this point they have performed to the level where they're probably getting fired if you don't have this unique Rodgers situation, but they're going to get another shot at it. So they ha- they have a chance to redeem themselves. And from Douglas's perspective, he needs to be better at evaluating the offensive line because he- he's invested in it and he has had some bad luck with injuries, but it's not as if he's done a good job with the talent either because outside of Eric Tucker, He's not, has not added any good offensive linemen. And again, you could say what you want about. I mean, if Beckton never got hurt, I think he probably would have turned out to be a good player. So 
I'll give him a pass on that. I don't think he's been good this year, but he's also had so many injuries in his career that he's probably mm, not. He could have he taken worse for CD, though. And, and yeah, and you could say that. So, I'd, I'd, you know, maybe you do label that as one of his misses, but he hasn't found any gems on the offensive line. That's a big thing. There, there are a lot of good offensive linemen in the league. AVT is not a gem. He's a first rounder. I'm talking about random no, players sorry, like sorry. undrafted free agents, day three picks, you know, low cost free agents. There are a lot of right. good offensive, offensive linemen in the league who are that. I mean, you know, the Jets have had some of those in their lifetime. I can't think off the top of my head. I know there are some in there, but um, you have to be able to find it's a unit with five players on it. It can't always be five first round picks five guys with $100 million contracts, you have to find some value. And, you know, he's taken some fourth-round tackles. None of them have worked out. Cameron Clark got injured, so you give him a pass for that. But no undrafted free agents that have done anything. Um, and he, he hasn't really taken a ton of shots. He's had the three fourth-round tackles. I believe that's it in terms of day three offensive line picks. So he hasn't gotten a high volume of those chances either. Um, and obviously, his free agents haven't worked out. So he hasn't evaluated it well. He used to be better at that for a guy who was, you know, a former offensive lineman, and that was supposed to be his specialty. Not a good hit rate on that. Um, backup the quarterback thing, needs to – The only, the only yeah, thing I will ahead. say on that is I think that is kind of a league-wide problem is there's not that – there's a dearth of good offensive linemen because all the best athletes play on defense. And not it's not a full excuse, but they've had so many injuries on that on that side of the ball. And I think you can criticize – the Lakin signing, you can criticize his ability to scout them day three, but it's not like, you know, this offensive line, if everybody's healthy, I still think is about what we were expecting, which was going to be solid. I mean, you look at just even look at that Chiefs game that the one game where they had kind of everybody healthy, AVT was playing tackle, Beckton was playing left tackle, they had McGovern, Tippman, and Lakin. That offensive line held up and that looked like an NFL offensive line. Was it the Cowboys or the, the prime Rex Jets? No, but. In terms of judging him in August about what he's done at the offensive line, you know, I, I think the the big miss is, I guess, overestimating Dwayne Brown this offseason. That's the big that's the big mistake they made this this offseason was relying on I'd throw Beckton in there. Yeah, I guess, but he's he was been already very on the overrated. Roster. It's time to say it. I don't understand what evidence people are pointing to to say he's been good. He's given up two strip sacks. He has seven penalties. He's given up. He gave up a safety. There are big plays, and we've seen them every week, but I feel like people just ignore it because they want him to be good, you know, to have the semblance of an idea that there's some hope for this offensive line, but he just has not been very good. I don't, what don't changes, really see how you could argue against that. Let's say Rodgers doesn't come back, the season implodes, the Jets are picking somewhere in the top 15 of the draft. What changes do you think they, they need to make? What are the big changes from from – the GM's cabinet to the coaching staff to actual roster moves. What are kind of the top things as we sit here November 20th talking about it, which is, hey, we used to be talking about this in like September on this pod. So I guess it's progress. In terms of offense or? Everything, the team. Uh, yeah, offense. I mean, the defense is how many changes need to be made on the defense side of the ball outside of maybe upgrading safety. But offensively, coaching staff, personnel department like what are the big things this offseason if they want to go all in on 2024 with Rodgers that they need to accomplish in your eyes um I mean like you said I think at least one big change with the coaching staff offensively would be good because I know they've had injuries and the talent's not there but you can't look at this offense and say it's well schemed 
that they do a good job of deploying the personnel, using it to the best of its ability. I mean, even look at this game. Like, you cut Michael Carter to get more touches for Izzy, or you claim that's why you cut him. But then Dalvin Cook is playing more third down snaps and giving up wide open sacks. I mean, they don't understand the players on their team. They clearly do not. And they would, if you ask them a question, they'd probably give you some ridiculous answer to gaslight the fans as if they don't know what they're talking about. But everyone can see Dalvin Cook can't block. It's been there for years. And then here you go. You put him out there in third down. He doesn't pick up a blitzer. He runs free through the A-gap. The quarterback gets sacked. And they don't know what hurt. they're doing. Like it's, it's clear as day in terms of knowing their personnel and how to deploy it. And I know most of these guys aren't good, so I'm not saying there's a way you could do it to where this offense would be great, even if Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan was running this offense. But some of the things they've done this year are just so flat-out blatantly wrong. It's just hard to understand. Like taking 11 weeks to bench Uzama, which they finally did, and obviously didn't lead to much, but it was clear from the first game they should have done that. But they the just kept doing it and doing it. In the preseason, it was. Like, With that block. Destroyed against the Panthers. Against the Panthers' backups. And all last season, he was terrible. Even though they had Ruckert, who they drafted in the third round. It took them 11 weeks to figure it out. And him blowing how many games, how many touchdowns did he cost them. So something has to change. Hackett is probably not going to go, unfortunately. So whether it's Downing, whether it's Calabrese, the most useless coach in NFL history. I mean, I, I don't want to bash him too much without, you know, really knowing what he's bringing to the table. Maybe Zach Wilson's just terrible regardless, but like, it feels like he's the quarterback's coach, but he's kind of like the third in command for coaching the quarterbacks. They say Hackett is, you know, the first QB, you know, whisperer, then downing and then him. And it's not even as if he has any, you know, extensive coaching experience or anything in the league. So I don't really know what he brings to the table. Something's got to change because that's the bottom line. I don't know who it is. I don't want to pinpoint Downing, anyone too much. I think. But if, if it's Downing's building, passing concepts, yeah, you're right. Without being the building, it's stupid. It's, it's just hard like, to like say like it, it's you, it's you, but it if something has to because it's you know, there are too many obvious mistakes to where even if you don't, you know, you're not an expert with passing game designs or anything which i'm not none of us are that's why we're sitting here we're not in the league even if you're not you know a person with that level of expertise you can clearly see how bad some of these mistakes are whether it's yeah. not calling enough play action when the numbers clearly say you are so much significantly better calling play action when you're not running motion enough when the RPOs. numbers say you've been way better with motion rpos Whatever it is, it's everything is the opposite of what they should be doing. So something in the coaching staff has to change. I would start with that. Um, then beyond that, you have to get a, another great receiver, uh, whether that's Adams, whether you draft someone in the first round, sign a free agent, whatever it is, you have to get someone else. I mean, even Tony Romo said it on the broadcast. Um, you know, he's seen exactly what we've can seen. I, that, can I pause for a second? I know you're going to criticize Nate. Romo and Nate. <laughs> Just the most overrated commentating duo. Jim Nance was literally saying "we" when, when the Bills were driving at the end of a uh, end of the first. Time. Like, we just need to Bills. get to the forty yard. Well, I think he's actually a Pats fan, but it was very clear they just love to beat up on Zach, which I guess he deserves. But it's just like they just got to take their shots from the first play, from that first throw of the game. It's just I don't know I, that that I feel like Romo's mailed it in since his first year as a as a commentator. Agreed, but uh, but yeah, you need another receiver for sure. Because 
I mean, what is Xavier Gibson technically wide receiver two now? Because they kind of <laughs> demoted Lazard a little bit. They're like, they're yeah, gonna rally is... some reps, but yeah. You need another receiver. Offensive line, though. I mean, like I said, I can understand to an extent there's been some injuries. You'll have AVT back. Um, you know, Douglas has put effort into this unit. You can't if anything, you can't question that. He's put a lot into it. But uh, I think you still, especially tackle, like interior. We'll see how that falls. You have Titman. AVT's coming back. I'd play uh, Thompson, AVT at tackle. Kind of stuck with, but you could put AVT, AVT at tackle. I'd play him at tackle. I just start. I still think right guard there. is his best position. Um, but I think it's easier to find an interior offensive lineman than a tackle, and the Jets are going to have to go by numbers at tackle because they can't rely on AVT to stay healthy. So it's like maybe you maybe you're able to get back to back for a little cheaper, and you have him and AVT at one spot, and then you go and get another yeah, Roger for both of his season-ending injuries that tackle though right yeah that's possible i guess maybe yeah maybe just doesn't have the body type for it his body can't hold up as well not that, that necessarily matters i mean it, it may or may a, not a triceps and an achilles i mean i think the achilles could happen anywhere i did kind of feel like maybe the triceps is him trying to overextend outside with his short arms but uh, you know you don't really know um yeah i mean a lot of changes need to happen i don't know how optimistic you feel about tim boyle on friday I mean, do you feel like he's going to bring it? This is our guy, Mike. We got to defend him. Yeah, I, he I mean, at least, <laughs> at least he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. I trust his football IQ, but I think you're going to see a lot of the same with this offense. I don't, th- I don't think Ben Shazak uh, is the magic. I don't elixir. think it's going to be much different. I mean, it, it feels like Mike White 2.0, where it's like, you know, let's get a stable guy in here who's going to get the ball quickly, make good decisions. But uh, it's there's you're watching anyone watching this team. It's hard to see. What opportunities is Zach Wilson missing on? I mean, he he was terrible in this game, and ultimately he was terrible this season, as per usual. But still, I don't see that much of like if if we get obviously if you put a good quarterback in there, it would be a lot better. But I don't see a lot of if we just put a stable, you know, um, you know, a quarterback like a Tim Boyle or a Mike White who's he who wins with his mind more so than his physical tools. If you put that type of quarterback in there, he's going to make these plays that Zach Wilson is missing that Zach Wilson couldn't. I just don't see a lot of that. You know, like I said, if you put Aaron Rodgers in there, a good quarterback, yes, plays will be made, will be made that are not being made by Zach Wilson, but it's not like there are wide open receivers running around or clean pockets where plays aren't being made. Those things just aren't there. So I, I don't think it will be a lot better. Um, but I don't know. I, I really don't have hope it'll be a lot better, but I do truly hope that it is obviously because they are still mathematically alive. And if they want to go win four in a row before Rogers comes back, by all means, go ahead and do it. Especially with our guy from the podcast. I mean, Boyle was an amazing thing. interview on our podcast. One of the most insightful that we've had. Uh, and, and they're, and they were all very insightful. I think that's the coolest thing about our interviews. Like every single one, I feel like, or uh, you know whoever it was, really did a great give job of giving us give our, give our guy Morstead up some props, tremendous insight. Um, but to have a quarterback, I just feel like is a another level because of how you know intellectual the position is by nature. Yeah. So like he gave some really awesome insight into the position that you know was eye opening for both of us. Like just to hear an NFL quarterback giving us that perspective. Um, but he, he does seem like a, a really bright player even for the position and you know all quarterbacks have that knowledge but and he, well he has experience seems like a smart guy he has and he's experience in the offense and, and when, when i went to the panthers game like i was standing on the field pregame 
and you know i shouted him out and he came over he's like oh oh what's up like he remembered me he like talked to me for like a minute like yeah you should me, be like, you should how be i was doing like number one uh, tim boyle know. apologist michael and it was like so you live around here like how's it going and all this like he, he was super cool so i i will lead the tim boyle bandwagon i'm gonna i'm gonna be the number one tim boyle truther yeah they went on forward. friday we got to get jerseys we gotta get tim boyle jerseys yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean like you said, they're still mathematically alive. Perhaps maybe he brings a spark. Maybe he's able to stabilize this offense and this defense is as good as any in the league. I still believe that even after Sunday. Um, and if they they win two or three games and Rodgers really wants to do it, maybe they they go for it. But I think this is a team where you just – they got to make some changes this offseason. It's just – it starts, with, I think, in the front office for the pro personnel department. And then I think there's got to be some change in the offensive coaching staff. And then it's like – got to invest heavily in, in the O-line and, and another top flight receiver, which sounds like they'll do with, with Adams. It was weird that they leaked that Adams report before the game, and maybe they're anticipating a blowout loss. They just wanted to give Jets fans something to, to hold on to, with the, the PR games. I don't know what else we want to talk about. I think that, that might be it. I mean, unless we want to talk about Friday or if we want to talk about did anything with this, this Bills game uh, in terms of the actual film. I mean, the one thing I'll say is credit to, to the Bills and Allen. This is the first time – since he's been playing the solid defense where he finally did what he is supposed to against this defense and play it safe, get it his check downs, just play the underneath game, be patient, run the football. And that's what the bills did. And this jets defense, just not getting any help. Just the wheels came off. They had the big, big uh, completion to Shakur, which is the, the, you know, the backbreaking touchdown and Ty Johnson with his revenge game touchdown. It just, I don't blame the defense as much for this one because it's like you can't expect them to be perfect weekend and week out. But the, the Bills offense finally got the better of this Jets defense. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or, or anything else before we get out of here. Well, we did gloss over the, the real number one reason that they lost this game. And you could see it coming before <laughs> it even started. And that is the Peter Griffins, the white on yeah. the white jersey, green pants combination. They moved to 1-12 and 12 in the new uniforms and white on God. green. And I think yep. they even had a long run of – lack of success i think the previous one even before they got the new uniforms previous win was um and also the the one was uh the game in washington in 2019 that was the previous win white on green i think before that it was that san francisco game in 2016 the one they won in overtime nice. they so, got to change these uniforms this offseason i do <laughs> not understand it is just indefensible decision by woody johnson you you know the history in these uniforms you know it's a must-win game you wore it in the same game last year against Buffalo and it didn't go well. What <laughs> think is about, the thought process behind this decision? Think about the history that assuming the Jets change these, they better change these uniforms in the offseason. When we look back at this era and we see photos of this uniform, just think about all five years of this. You have Mono Darnold, and they start like one and seven. First year Gase, disaster. They missed the playoffs. Second year, horrific. Tank for Trevor blows. They win like two games, just awful. Third year. Zach as a rookie isn't that good. They have the worst defense in the league. Fourth year, they lose their last six games, and Zach Wilson is like the worst quarterback in the league and seems like a big bust. And then this year, you lose Rodgers on the fourth play of the season and the season. Assume, presuming, uh, unless Boyle's able to keep him afloat and Rodgers really wants to come back, is another disaster. That's about as bad as a five year stretch. Like when we see photos of these uniforms five years from now, it's just going to be like, Jesus. They just had, didn't you know, have a single. You know what it reminds me of? I mean, there are a few different examples, but I think of like the Tampa Bay digital clock era, but then yeah. they got their old uniforms back and they went won the Super Bowl with a veteran quarterback. So 
maybe the Jets can pull that off, bring their old uniforms back. You get a veteran superstar quarterback, get rid of your modern uniforms with terrible success. Go win. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm not sure what if we'll have a preview pod. <laughs> it's a short week, and <laughs> you can tell the motivation's waning. But um, I do think that Tim Boyle, I hope he can give him a spark. I'm cheering for him, obviously, as a Jets fan, and just it's the only hope they have is that, you know, I think the one thing, too, is the experience he has is, is it maybe gives him an edge at the line of scrimmage to be audibling and changing things at the line that maybe he gets a little bit more freedom than Zach had or he's a little bit more aggressive with it. I don't know. I think that was this offense. This offense was entirely designed for Rodgers to get to the line and audible into whatever concept he wanted. And once that happened, you just saw that this offense completely fell apart and looked worse than than the Gaysiers, which is almost incomprehensible. So there's not much else to say. QB bad, O line bad, coaching bad, receivers bad, team bad. So we'll see what happens over these next four weeks. But well, I guess that's it for us. We're not back. I mean, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. We're <laughs> Thankful for all the listeners, especially if you're, if you're listening to this specific episode, that means you're a true <laughs> diehard to be here right now. Because even even I didn't want to show up to this podcast. So if you did, then we're doing it day yeah. late. Yeah. Uh, also, I just I just got this stat. So Pro Football Reference has something called Simple Rating System, which compares your points per game and your points allowed per game versus your strength of schedule. So the 2023 Jets offense based on that fourth worst in franchise history 2020 is number one because i'm pretty sure they they didn't even really play a hard schedule that season so jets so far played a decently difficult schedule so right now considering that 23 is a little bit better but still fourth worst in the history of the team with garrett wilson and Brees hall on the roster also 95 is second worst they were three and 13 76 was fourth worst they were three and 11 all right, here's this is MYJ Matt had this tweet through through 10 games. 2020 Jets had 149 points. The 2023 Jets had 150 points. The 2020 Jets had 167 first downs. The 2023 Jets have 147 first downs. Total, the 2020 Jets had 2600 yards. 2023 is 2700 yards. It's getting convoluted. Pass 1700 versus 1705 and rush 986 versus 998. So, I mean, I guess the one thing is maybe the 2020 Jets had to throw more because they were down a lot more because the defense was terrible. And so maybe they faced a little bit more soft coverage in the fourth quarter to help them get a little bit more yards. But I mean, at the very least, they're neck and neck, uh, <laughs> which is insane. Well, I mean, me they, that, they that had the Denver there. game and the New England, those two night games they had, Denver, New England, they actually were That's good. True. The Jets have had one good, this team has had one good offensive game against, Jeez. uh, the Chiefs, and that was still only 20 points. So the, the the floor was lower with that team because the defense didn't help them at all. So they had a couple single digit games in there, but they actually had two. I think both was Flacco. I know Darnold was the Denver game. Flacco was the New England game. But some good. And then after the bye week, they had some good games too. I don't know. 2020, they had their moments. This this team has not even had its moments yet outside of half of the Chiefs game. Man, save us, Tim Boyle. This is definitely a conversation we want to be having. On <laughs> Keep the ship afloat, Tim. All right, uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, Let's go, follow Tim. Us, you know, follow us at CYJPod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself, Ben W. Blessington. Uh, go to jetsactfactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. 
Check out the other Jets X Factor pod. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. And if you can, please rate if you subscribe on iTunes. That'll do it for us. Michael, last thoughts? The, tw- the 2009 Jets were 4-6, and six, and they made it all the way to the AFC Championship. So, season's still alive. They did. That's true. <laughs> Tim Boyle, just win two, maybe three games. Rodgers comes back, make the playoffs. Most improbable Super Bowl ever. I'm just kidding. It's, you know, it's, it's Jova. All right, nothing? I mean, I will say the two. The only thing about that comparison is they did start three and zero, and they did have they had a lot of good offensive games. Actually, the defense it's remembered as one of the elite Jets defenses of all time. But they forget through that four and six start. They were they weren't that great through that four and six start. It's they were just insane after that. So they didn't even have the defense yet. The offense was kind of okay. But this team, yeah, it's, teams, teams right, picked the on defense Lito. is already playing great, and they're still four and six. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Tim Boyle, please save us. Outside of that, we're gonna have a few pods this <laughs> at the end of the season that are gonna be more like our twenty twenty pods, talking draft and free agency and God knows. But a win, a win this Friday, Michael. They're back in it, five and six, three home games in a row right now. Keep the faith for at least at least one more week. Thank you for listening. I would be right back up if they want. Oh, we got Atlanta at home. We got Rogers is coming back. Miami. We can beat both these teams. If they beat beat Miami on Friday, my and the O line starts to get a little healthier, maybe (laughs) goes back. All right, sorry, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm gonna turn this podcast off. All right, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.